to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Hikara, and this is episode number 94, and this week on the podcast, my brother Brandon Legion of Horror Wolf 66 Podcast, fellow uh, horseman of the podcast apocalypse, um, joined me for uh, inauguration of a kind of new off-and-on ongoing series that I want to start, which is uh, all about uh, guitar talk and guitar gear, guitar tone, just, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. It's going to be a cool, con- it's a cool conversation. We'll talk about different kinds of gear that we like. Um, and, uh, yeah, Brandon gives his kind of vision of what he likes, what he likes to use and, you know, um, and, uh, kind of how he got there. And yeah, it's kind of something that I, you know, and we also get into some tones that, of other people that we like, stuff like that. It's kind of what I wanted with this is just to get into what what's people, what are people using, my friends using, and what's their vision for tone, and how do they decide what they're going to do, and uh, what was their influences and inspirations for for playing guitar and, and the guitar tone and all that kind of stuff. So um, this episode might not be for everybody, but hopefully. Uh, you know, if you enjoy listening to me and Brandon talk, uh, you'll still enjoy this, even though uh, it's definitely more of an episode for people who play guitar. But um, I'm sure there's non-guitar people who find this interesting as well. Uh, and yeah, so something that I wanted to start doing, um, and I want to get some other people. I'm going to try to start with the other horsemen. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, see who I can get on next for for this topic. But um yeah, so it'll be ongoing, off and on. It's not going to be like a steady series, but it'll be once I can, you know, here and there when I can get uh, somebody to talk to me about guitar stuff. So, um, all right. So yeah, so that's what's going on this week, uh, dear ladies and gentlemen. And um, yes, yeah, so we're going to get into the episode. Um, um, but first, let's get into our plugs. So, every other, so of course I'm part of the gang of the Horseman of the Podcast Apocalypse, aforementioned at the beginning of the show, because obviously Brandon is one. Speaking of which, he he kicks off every week or every other week with Horwolf 666 with Brandon Legion. And of course the most recent Horwolf 666 episode also was one with me and Brandon, so it just kind of fell out that way. It wasn't really, uh, it wasn't into planned because... Brandon asked you to do that other episode after we did this one, so. Um, and then every Tuesday, you have Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt. And I should be doing uh, my top 10 on Into the Necrosphere this month. Um, there'll be the rest of the top 40 list is going to be split up into two episodes of 15 each. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll announce the guests once the episodes are recorded, and um, and then my top ten will be on into the necrosphere. So I already got my list all together, uh, pretty much, pretty much all sorted out. Um, every Wednesday you have everything went black with Mike Hill. Of course, Mike and I have our series that we split between Solnox and Darkness Weaves. Or sorry, Solnox and Everything Went Black, which is Darkness Weaves, our journey through the work of Carl Edward Wagner. And, um, I forget which, uh, um, 
I think last time was on Everything Went Black, so this month will be on on uh, Soul Knox. So yeah, we're working our way through the work of Carl Wagner. Like I said, we're t- working through the Kane stories, which you can get on uh, Kindle for pretty cheap. I got the whole series for twenty bucks. Um, and that's pretty much the only way you're going to get it, unless you want to blow it, blow, uh, put down some money. Um, every Thursday you have Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. And then every Friday you have uh, Spitball Media with uh, John Draper, uh, Mike Scandato's brother. And then um, every, uh, well, not every, uh, whenever he has an episode, we have Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax. And uh, Cheyenne and I should be recording an episode for Iblis Manifestations here soon, so I should be on, on there soon, hopefully. Um, just got to set a date. And, um, so yes, that's all the horsemen. Please like and subscribe and share and, uh, spread the word for everybody. That's very appreciated. And, um, you can follow me on social media on Instagram. It's the only one I use, really. Um, at either my name or at Denver Underground Radio, which is the online radio station I run. And, uh, Denver Underground Radio, we have, uh, shows live. Every Tuesday and Thursday, starting at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can, um, uh, yeah, tune in live at those times. Um, uh, both episodes are three hours, both shows are three hours long. Tune in at, in that time uh, on the website at DenverUndergroundRadio.com. Check it out. You can just find all the playlists Um in the story archives on our Instagram, and you can also find all the set lists and all the stuff for the podcast as well, all right there at Instagram. So uh, follow there. And um, let's see. And then f- finally, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, please uh, also go support my Cellium Signal with uh, Constantine Tuonahovi from uh, the Tuonimporti um should be appearing on there soon as well and then finally uh i also have a patreon at patreon.com forward slash soul Knox podcast two dollars a month and you get two to four bonus episodes a month and the um knowledge that you're helping keeping the lights open here and keeping everything running on the podcast front really just trying to uh make my money back at least uh make this a self-sufficient venture so uh, i'm about halfway there so um, and if you sign up, I will, uh, definitely shout you out on here. Appreciate every single person who is a patron. Uh, we're going to start getting, uh, more episodes up on there now because I'll have more time, uh, cause my work is back to normal. Um, and yeah, so that's everything we're going to get into the episode. But first, before the episode, uh, before we get into the interview, I wanted to, uh, I'm going to play, uh, a new project from uh, my brother Drew Groth. Um, he started a new project called Show Groth, which is part of his uh, Udon Black Metal. Um, and um, this one is fucking sick. It's an album called uh, Carving the Sigil in the Realm of Man. And we'll play the first song off of it called Sworn by Blood. But please go check it out. They just released it Friday. I really love this EP. And I think everybody should check it out and go get it on Bandcamp. So, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, so I'm going to play that. We'll get into the episode. And hope you guys enjoy. Hail Satan. Take down 
Welcome back to the podcast, Brandon. It's time on the uh, the main feed because last thing we were on was uh, for a Dracula on the on the Patreon. So, well, thanks for having me back on. It's always a pleasure talking with you. So, yeah, always always like any any chance to to have, talk with you, Brandon. Hell yeah, dude. Same here. Yeah, we're yeah, we'll have to do uh, some other other types of shows as well. But yeah, this yeah, one, I wanna... what's up? Oh, I was saying, yeah, definitely that. And I also want to get you back on my podcast. I'm just trying to wait for like an open uh, day, I guess, to do it. And right now I'm kind of booked up till I think December maybe. And then I'm going to take like, what, two weeks off and then start booking for like January again. So, yeah, that actually worked out good for me if we recorded one for Horror Wolf in like January, February, something like that, because uh, probably after about halfway through basically after particularly after thanksgiving like i'm probably not going to be recording anything except for like the one with mike about uh carl wagner you know what i mean that we have to do in december because my work gets so crazy i'm trying to like limit what i'm recording that month you know right yeah totally totally get that yeah that's why uh, that's why recording this episode is coming out in december and uh in october so <laughs> sweet yeah, this one was kind of an idea I had. Um, I'm gonna try to do if you're the first person, so hopefully we'll get. I'm gonna try to get like Mike and some other, you know, other people on in on this whole concept. But it's basically I just had an idea about like guitar stuff. Talking about guitar stuff. I mean, like guitar tone, guitar gear, like types of stuff that inspired you. You know, all that kind of stuff. I just think that it's something I like to talk about and. Uh, you know, I think it'd be interesting too to hear from different people, like kind of how they kind of crafted their tone and what kind of gear they like and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, dude, it's a fantastic idea. Like, it's definitely cool because, uh, you know, besides like horror and stuff, like uh, like gear and shit's another thing I like to go into, and I nerd out about it. And most people I know in real life, <laughs> you know, like people locally and stuff, you know, they don't want to hear that kind of shit. And like, oh, <laughs> nobody at work gives a fuck about gear except for uh, one of my uh, good friends at work. Or actually, two of my good friends that work out there, they 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 like gear stuff. But even that, I go beyond that when I talk about gear shit. So it gets boring to people. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, then you have the added aspect of with gear um, is that there's a certain segment of the gear world that people you're into pedals and and amps and stuff like yeah that one segment of it which is more coming from like the indie rock or even blues or you know rock as a whole and they have Mm -hmm. a totally different type of spectrum of what they're doing than say metal you know what i mean yeah totally and a lot of that too like with what you said they were like the rock and the blues stuff that's like when you look for like a good pedal demo and you youtube or whatever the shit that comes out is like horrible. Like you see these guys like, Oh, here's a demo of this badass what you call it, distortion pedal. He's playing like these blues licks on there. I'm like, I want to hear some fucking riffs, man. Like where's the heavy riffs at? You know, they're playing like the weakest shit. Yeah. That was actually a complaint. I, I uh, had to my friends. I was like, the worst part of watching gear videos is the horrible generic, like rock riffs. Some of these guys play. And then he like, he like directed me to a few like metal, um, like uh, I forget every one one I remember is called Metalhead Productions. His 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 stuff's pretty good. Like he actually plays like black metal and death metal and and that kind of stuff on it and do some doom stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like 
and he'll actually do like a you know demo of the song to show how it sounds in a mix and then you know show the year so his stuff like i was like oh finally like a channel that has like stuff that's relevant because it's like if i'm hearing uh you know i'm you know i'm currently trying to decide on what tube amp i want to get next year and i was like if i want to hear something like you know i don't need to hear blues riffs it's not gonna how that's not how i'm gonna be using the amplifier you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that's the worst I, I hated that when i first uh got my first tube amp this was probably like uh shit going on 16 17 years ago maybe now time flies but uh yeah i was looking at um I, reason i got this amp because i knew uh that max cavalera like endorsed and stuff it was the uh, pv triple x uh 212 tube combo and um i was trying when you try to find like videos on that back in the day uh yeah you get like some dude playing some blue shit through one of these and, like you're fucking crazy man like where's the metal riffs at this is a metal machine <laughs> yeah luckily now there's a few channels that probably have better videos of that but yeah for a long time it was really hard to find <laughs> yeah that and the pedal videos like i was saying man like i do not want to hear your jazz fusion bullshit trying to t sell me this pedal which you know i want to hear what it does I, this is not what i want to hear <laughs> you know exactly yeah yeah it's like sometimes you have to like go scroll through and go through a bunch of different videos to try to get an idea of what it sounds like and it's kind of have to ignore the horrible riffs some of these guys play oh yeah <laughs> yeah the um yeah i mean one question of course is like so when you first started playing guitar like when i first started playing guitar i had pretty much no idea about tone and how to get it and you know i didn't know anything mm -hmm. about you know you don't know anything about gear like you know like you're like kind of shooting in the dark for a while right you know oh, but, oh yeah um, totally you're kind of hearing stuff and you're like oh what is like you know trying to figure out how to get those types of sounds like what was some of the your first kind of um gear and like the sound you're trying to go to go for and how that kind of you know so you can get to how that kind of evolved into what you what you've done you know what i mean all right so my first like guitar and amp combo like this is you know i'm pretty sure this is gonna be a lot of people's first one especially like a little bit back in the day like uh what i say early 2000s maybe but anyways my first guitar was a fender it was a fender squire and it was the ones that came in the box with like the five watt amp yeah i don't know if you remember those yeah they're like super cheap they feel horrible and they come with like a little booklet of like oh songs you can play like some bullshit ass crap you know i'm like i don't want to play none of this crap here right? this is all garbage <laughs> you know and it's like the tone i was getting out of that little amp was crap it had a distortion like channel on there but it was this horrible so like one of the first pedals i ever fucked around with i think was a uh, dan electro uh distortion pedal and that plus the little fender gave me some type of tone you know what i mean something besides the shit i was getting on that little amp you know yeah was it one of those old uh little tiny dan electro pedals that they had back in the early 2000s like the the little plastic one uh, I believe so. It might have been a little bit older than that. I know it was like tan, and uh, it was. It felt kind of heavy duty, but it's been a long fucking time since I even came in contact with that pedal. That pedal was long gone. I was borrowing it from a friend and stuff, and uh, yeah. So I, it might have been a little bit older one. I think it felt more like metal. Okay, but, yeah. Um, I think they had the because they had the full size kind of but Dan Electro ones, and then I remember they released like the little tiny ones that were super cheap. 
made out of plastic. They had really yeah, good, I, good effects, but they were they're pretty shitty. Like they break on you and stuff. I had a flanger, one of the little tiny ones, you know. Yeah, I'm definitely thinking it was the older one. Then it was it was definitely full size. It wasn't like a mini, and I don't remember it being like a flimsy plastic either. I think so. those were like the Fab Tones or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. God, I remember that whole line of pedals, like the Fab Tone ones. Oh my God, you see those in the Guitar Center magazine. Oh, you can get this one here for like 20, 30 bucks. I'm like, those are like garbage, man. <laughs> like, yeah, they, I'm good. <laughs> the Electro brought has come back, but they they've kind of come back with like better pedals now. And they have one that I kind of want to get, which is a Spring Reverb pedal, hmm. which has a Spring Reverb inside of it. It looks pretty cool. Oh, that is cool. Um, I I don't really use. To, oh, I do use a lot of reverb now, but I just usually what usually use what's on the amps themselves. Um, like PVs have a reverb built in. Even my little orange uh, practice amp has a, like a cool reverb. Yeah, it kind of depends on the amp. The um, mm -hmm. yeah, like um, so yeah, so yeah, we really all start with shit. Like I started with like a crappy rogue, um probably 30 watt guitar amp or something and then and then the next one i got after that was like a, a fender solid state 25 watt one mm -hmm. was that like the front man front man ones or music yeah, man yeah i think it was the front man which front man. wasn't horrible um actually like on some of the my old demos that's like the, the sourcing channel on that was what i used like um or what i do is i'd run the because the problem was with that with those amps and this is kind of this case with I think a lot of solid state fender amps mm -hmm. is that you can't run distortion into the clean channel. <laughs> it would sound oh, wow. horrible. It sound mm. like like if we tried to run a metal zone into the, the the clean channel on it, it would just sound like horrible like all just like horrible distortion sound, you know? Right. But if you ran that the the the, the gain channel on it, but ran the gain at like one or two, so just a little bit of gain. Mm -hmm. uh, and then ran the, the the distortion. It would sound pretty pretty decent. I used that on a lot of my old demos. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know that. I know uh, certain orange heads don't take uh, pedals very well, like on the clean channel and stuff. But um, I didn't know that about the fenders. Yeah, it's not probably not all fenders, but particularly those old solid state ones from like you know the late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, you know they weren't they weren't too too great. They didn't handle like distortion pedals very good. My uh, first real distortion pedal, it was a, uh, let me, it was a, was it a DS1? Hold on a second here. I'm trying to think back. It's just so long ago. I can picture the fucking pedal in my head. Was that it was orange? a red. No, no, it was red. Um, I don't think it was boss. Um, fuck. It might have been like, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of, think on that one. But anyways, uh, after I graduated from that pedal, I can't remember the fucking name of it. I ended up getting a, uh, a boss uh, metal zone pedal and i thought i was fucking uh dime bag man with those tones out of that thing <laughs> yeah i mean i i use the metals on this day with, but i have a waza metal zone now so it's like the japanese made one but oh yeah those are cool it's got like yeah. the it's got a like a, a mod mod on there that the american one doesn't yeah and it's um yeah it's much better it's like a, it's like uh boutique quality you know what i mean it's handmade in japan like like old school and uh yeah pretty good like i mean i liked the old metal zone personally like i think a lot of times people 
misuse them or you know don't know how to dial in good tones the definitely the mm. waza one it's a lot easier to get good tones but and everything too with the old was is that it already old metal zone is wasn't necessarily sound good on every amplifier or some amps where it didn't take it very good mm-hmm. but um i felt like i feel like it's a very underrated pedal a lot of people talk a lot of shit about it but i mean if you think about it like morgan from marduk that's what he uses he uses metal zones for his distortion you know oh nice didn't know that i do know that uh uh, Kirk from uh, Crowbar, his like main tone is a fucking metal zone, and I believe he runs that through the loop on his orange heads or Randalls that he was running and stuff. But like the metal zone is his like fucking tone. So and he's got a hell of a tone, especially live, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I think he uses a Randall solid state amp actually. Yeah, he was, and he switched over using the like really cheap CR one twenty um, orange amps or orange heads. Oh, yeah, and I mean you can. Yeah, you can get those for like super cheap, but man, they sound really fucking good live. But as of the last time I seen them, which was probably like maybe three weeks ago, he has switched over to, I think he's using fucking um, those uh, modular amps or whatever the, uh, uh, like, uh, what do you call them? The ones that uh, copy tone and all that stuff. The uh... Oh, the little um, rack ones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Like, they're like, they're like, like Axe Effects or something like that, you know? Yeah, like I know they have the yeah, like a mod model or one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not. I, I'm okay. I'm like I'm not a big fan of modeling personally, uh, particularly live. Like, but I know some people who, who like that and use it. You know, I guess it depends on the amplifier or whatever you're doing. But what I don't like is when I I saw um, Amorphous live a while back and they were running all their stuff like through like an axe thing and they had no sound on stage they're all using in ears mm-hmm. so it's like on stage it was like nothing there was no sound you know if you got close to it and it was real weird like it was kind of weird and didn't sound very good like like everything sounded clean right but the guitars sounded like very very like just qu- quiet and then it didn't have any presence and because everything's basically just running run through like you know through nothing really you know what i mean it's all digital you know yeah that's super weird man and also like doing that like what if you get like a shitty sound man <laughs> you know you don't know what your what your stuff really sounds like projecting at the audience if it's running through the house you know yeah i don't really i don't like that particularly because before then was swallow the sun swallow the sun had two you know huge orange you know 50 watt orange amps or whatever on stage and they were crushing so heavy you know Mm-hmm. And it sounded so good. And then Amorphous comes on and it sounds so like way too clean, no balls at all to the sound. It was like very, very like lifeless, you know? Yeah, that's like, totally weird. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like pretty I don't it's like I feel like even if you're gonna run mo- a model amp, like you need to run it through an amp. <laughs> like you can't just like run it through the house and have no sound on stage, you know what I mean? Yeah, I could not play like that. Like my whole thing, like when we played live with a uh, trip into mechanism, my uh, former like you know band band or whatever, um, like it was all about more more amps. Like we would take it was only we we're only a three piece, but we would take up a whole stage with amps because I want to be able to feel that shit, you know. Exactly, I feel like that's something that a lot of these guys who are all about like running everything through some like axe effects pedal and they don't want to have any sound on stage and all this stuff like it's just a very foreign mindset to me because i'm all about like vibration and feeling it and i want to have like feedback and i want to have like noise going on you know what i mean like 
I'm not into this like super pristine, clear, crystal clear, like no no balls to your tone type of type of live thing. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I want to be like moving air with my amps. You know, I want to. I'm not into like like you said, the super clean like guitar playing and stuff. I want distortion. I want uh, I want feedback and all that shit because feedback was a big part of what we did. Like create like atmosphere and this fucking melt your ears off. You know. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I just I like that. I don't like it when it's too too clean. This doesn't really move me, you know. Like, you know, like I remember seeing Yob live. They were opening for Enslaved, and nice. Literally, the venue—if you touched the wall of the venue—it was rumbling. Oh, <laughs> oh man, yeah. Whole venue was rumbling. Like, I actually had to go outside for a little bit because it was starting to make me kind of sick. Because it's just the vibration that they were putting out was so intense, you know? <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, I love Yob. Yob is known for, like, loud as fuck. But, yeah, one of my favorite bands, actually. But that's what I like. That's, you know, what I, what I like about seeing the Swans live or bands like that. And that's how I feel about black metal, too. Like, I feel like if I want to go to a black metal show, I want it to be pretty, like, in your face. You know what I mean? And loud, you know, and not pristine and nice. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, Totally. And I was always like the uh, guitar player guy. Like when the sound man comes to you, like, oh, you're too loud. You got to turn that down. I'm like, okay. So I did a whole little fake turn. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, like, you know, I know what we're supposed to sound like up here. I would even get down off the stage because I had like a 30 foot fucking uh, guitar core. And I would listen out in the audience like, all right, sounds good out here. And so I'm like, you got to turn it down. Like when I turn down so low, like I'm barely like pressing and I'm pushing in the air out of my fucking amps. Like I'm on like three or some shit i'm like come on man i can't even they're not gonna be feel that i can't feel this and like the setup there at the usually some of these places we played at wasn't very good monitor wise so i'm like yeah i turned down for you yeah sure yeah, you back up yet yeah. yeah i don't yeah. it's one of the most annoying things doing with sound guys like that who are like such wusses and they don't under like they don't quite understand that if if it's too just don't turn it down on your microphone let that let the stage volume be the volume you know what i mean right or don't mic my fucking cabs like i got enough shit up here you don't need to mic my cabs and i still want to fucking mic the cabs anyways i'm like okay that's on you yeah I don't, that's one thing i don't understand of certain certain sound people is they have to do everything a certain way and they don't quite understand when a band's like no like part of what we're doing is the sound coming through the cabs very loud you know yeah. that's what it's supposed to be like just don't mic it if you don't want, or yeah run it real quiet you know like you don't really need it in the house we can definitely hear it you know like you really just have to focus on you know micing the drums and the vocals and stuff you know yep that's all that we really cared about just because we had so much equipment up there we didn't we didn't need all that yeah there's another one of my one of my pet peeves too is is um um when people just di the bass oh yeah you know like like or bass players who don't seem to have any like no idea that bass needs to have a tone you know they right. think, like that just drives me crazy like because it's like no bass needs to have a tone you need to run bass through a good amp you need to you know have some distortion you know you have need you can't just run bass like clean and dry all the time like that's horrible you know no it does not sound cool with me at all <laughs> i no. like a nice grindy ass nasty bass you know yeah, exactly. Like, we're, no, we we need Motorhead bass. We don't need this like fucking perfectly clean bass. Like, I don't. That's something that drives me crazy too. 
I like how uh, Pete Steele approached the bass. His shit sounded like a fucking regular guitar. Like he has so much distortion. Oh, he can, I think he could do like harmonics with that fucking bass of his. Yeah, <laughs> you'd he'd have it that 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 bass distortion, which like scooped and stuff, and it just sounded like so. It kind of sounded weird, but it was cool at the same time. Yeah, I love it. I think it's like super unique, especially to typo. Like, oh man, they want to get like two guitars up there. Nope, it's just like Peter up there with his fucking distorted bass sounding awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when, so one thing is to say, so when did you, um, you know, obviously we, we talked about you started off with like the crap little amp stuff. When did you start like uh, figuring out, okay, like what kind of tone you wanted and, and the kind of amp you needed to get that tone and all that kind of stuff, you know? Well, like it didn't take long after, you know, playing for like maybe a year with what I already had there and stuff like all right, it's time to upgrade. So I did some shopping around and stuff, and that's where the uh the P V triple X caught my eye just because, you know, Max Cavalera, I love uh Sopatur and I loved uh like Soulfly and stuff and I know his tone, I like the way he plays and shit. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And I did some research on P V. And then uh I finally saved up enough money because back when this amp came out, I think it was like eighteen hundred to two thousand dollars because it just came out that i think it came out 2003 i believe the model that i have the first model and um saved up all of my money for that and bought the 212 tube combo and uh yeah after buying that it's like okay this is a real fucking amp like with just that combo itself i can play pretty much any venue with but you know I ended up adding cabs and all that stuff later to it. But at first when we started playing out and stuff, I was using just a 212 and I was still like, yeah, plenty loud enough and everything. And that's, and that's what I stuck with. Like PV has been my amp of choice since I started playing guitar. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm like wondering, cause yeah, cause you have like PV It's a pretty good, it's a great brand. I mean, you have, and you have like the different, Obviously, most a lot of people know PV for the well fifty one fifty, which is now the sixty five oh five, right? Because fifty one fifty is now EVH made by a Fender, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. But um, which is a great amp, you know, has a great tone, very classic, classic. Oh, so many metal bands use that, right? Mm-hmm. But I do feel like um, the uh, the only downside I feel like to that amp is sometimes it's got that top top end type of sizzle, but sometimes it's like not maybe um, what's the word, do, do, you know, like, you know, that kind of like gut punch that some amps give you. I feel like the 5150 doesn't quite have that right. You know, I don't know from my experience, I haven't played on a 5150, but I've been around a bunch of them and stuff. They always have like a nasty, like bite to them and stuff like, and they have that like nice mid range hit too. So I guess this yeah. is just how you run it or whatever. Yeah, I feel like they're more high end and they're very clear, which is pretty cool. I mean, I think that's a good amp for black metal. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, a triple X. I mean, you're using that. You know, you're tripping the mechanism. You're primarily kind of a doom sludge black metal combo, right? So. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty much. I guess if you were to try to put us in a group or whatever, that would definitely be pretty damn close to it it's always hard to like say what we are like i think we're a doom band there's some black metal elements in there have been called sludgy before uh black metal melvins you know stuff like that so <laughs> the triple x was perfect for my tone and um and when i originally started like 
when we started started doing um, tripping the mechanism stuff, like I would use the uh, uh, let's see, I'm looking at my app right now. We use the Ultra Channel that's on my Triple uh, X, and have that pretty much distortion fucking close to ten bass turned all the way up because I like a big beefy bassy fucking guitar tone. You know, I want to be able, like you said, feel that shit. So bass all the way up. Uh, I did not scoop the mids. I don't believe, but I mean, I do like some, I like the sound of scoop mids, you know, that stuff, but I don't think I did that. And, um, yeah, just pretty much balls to the wall with that thing. And, um, there's some uh, settings on the back where it's like loose, mid and tight where you can set like, you know, how much, what, you know, that sound and everything. And I think I'd always set mine to uh, like mid and, you know, you get the nice dirty sound of that amp. And a lot of people never thought you can use like PVs for like doom and stuff, you know, like, Oh, you gotta be an orange or, you know, laney or something like that. And like, Nope, PV works just fine. <laughs> yeah. I think people probably have that, that idea because of this, the 5150 is not really not, that wouldn't be a very good doom amp, right? Really? No, you can it. definitely do them with yeah. one of those. I've seen yeah. it done. It's all, I mean, any amp can really, uh, I guess, you know, doom or whatever people call it. Like, Oh, is that amp doom and shit? I'm like, yeah, pretty much any amp can fucking do it. As long as you got like the uh, right pedals on there and, you know, right. and uh, you got to set up right. Like, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, that is true. But I feel like most people's perception of it is not, you know, they're seeing like more, I don't know, thrash bands, black metal, that kind yeah. of stuff using the 5150. So I think that's the perception of PV, but PV has like a lot more going on than just that one thing, you know? I mean, yeah, and unfortunately, like most people are finding that out. Like in the, like the past five years, like PVs were fucking dirt cheap, like five, 10 years ago. Like I bought my second Triple X 212 for like 300, 350 bucks off of like Guitar Center's used section or whatever. Now that same amp if you can find is going for like nine to a thousand dollars. Like it's crazy because people are now figuring out, oh, you can do all this with PV, you know, the older PV amps and stuff. And they've fucking jacked all the prices up, unfortunately. Yeah, that's what sucks. Like, um, because yeah, it's kind of why I wish I jumped on the PV train a while back because cause they used to be pretty affordable. And, um, yeah, now it's now it's not so much, unfortunately. Um, but there's still, even to get a new PV is still not too, too bad. You know what I mean? No, they're not that bad. Um, my one of my good friends, uh, he's in a like a, a melodic death band i guess you would call it that's a death metal band but um he's using a uh one of the newer pvs that just came out a few years ago i can't remember the name of it um it's a tube head but it's got a certain name too and i cannot remember what it is and it sounds fucking great yeah like kind of more i'm more of a fan of the kind of pv tone because i feel like this, they got a, a pretty nice like um high end as well which i really like you know mm-hmm um, and, the, you know, they cut through really good, um, which is, you know, oranges cut to through really good as well. I do like oranges a lot, but they're just too expensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. The P, um, uh, oranges are expensive. The uh, when they were doing the CRs, the crush models and stuff, which I don't think they do anymore. You get like a uh, 120 watt solid state head, which actually sounded pretty good. And I'm not a big fan of solid states, but uh, they're. CR120 sounded great. You can buy one of those for like 350 back then. This was like uh, 10 years ago. Now I think they discontinued the line. So if you get to find one of those, you're probably up to 800 bucks. Depends. My friend just got one for like 350. 
Oh, well, that's even better. Good. I'm glad to hear there's some still at the same price because they're great heads, especially for backup heads. But like I said, that's what um, I saw my my first time seeing Crowbar. That's what they were using, like fucking CR120s, solid state. And they're fucking loud and bottom heavy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know there's some bands who actually don't like they just they like they don't really want to bring their tube heads out on tour for whatever reason you know because i guess i mean tubes can be a little finicky sometimes right so oh yeah you know they're they feel like that's why some bands are like oh no we'll just bring out let's bring out this like solid state head as long as it sounds good i feel like solid state's definitely gotten better you know like um for home practice i just got the 60 watt like laney Ironheart one you know oh nice mm-hmm. the one, which, good. yeah which, i think it just came out um and it sounds really good like it's really surprisingly good for for solid state you know but it's perfect for being at home and practicing so i feel like you know orange kind of led that that charge in a little bit with the crushes and i feel like Laney's picking that up and doing their thing with it you know yeah no no most definitely like you said uh uh you got to kind of baby the tubes a bit man like um I've spent so much money on fucking retubing stuff. I mean, I would go through tubes like fucking every six or seven months because the way my heads run, they're kind of hot rotted out a bit. You know what I mean? They run extra hot because you can, when you um, buy some stuff, you can buy some cold and like whatever. Like, but I want like the maximum amount of like nastiness out of them. So they're like biased pretty hot. So I'd burn through tubes pretty fast. And that's like uh, every time I retube and everything was about 150, 200 bucks. Right. Did yeah. you um? Do you run so you probably do you run so you run it on like the distortion channel? Do you run extra distortion on top of the distortion to kind of? Well, you know, it? I used to do that, but uh, later in the in tripping the mechanisms lifespan, I ended up uh switching my main distortion to everything uh Blackhawk pedals like his stuff, and um, he made like this awesome fuzz pedal called the Urukai pedal, you know, named after the uh, Lord of the Rings characters. The, works or whatever and um i started running that to the clean channel of my amps and dude it sounded so disgusting and had so much like bottom in and all the distortion i could ever ask for so that's the way i ran it for like the last five years of the band or whatever i was just running with those pedals and i also used like a secret weapon that a good friend told me about a lot of people don't know about and what you can do with pvs uh you ever heard of the sonic maximizer pedal uh no i have not heard of that it's like a little red pedal like a white or silver knob it's got a, it's got a i'm pretty sure it's called the sonic maximizer nope i'm not getting that wrong but anyways i was running that through the loop of my uh pv in the back and when running that through the loop there man like adds is like because the pedal itself all it was was like a it wasn't a distortion or nothing like that it's kind of like brought everything up like if you're watching something in like sd it brings up to hd that's what this pedal did it added presence to the amp and dude once i ran that with the blackhawk in front going through my clean channel fucking disgusting that's awesome yeah that's good to know like um yeah generally i've always run uh my pedals as like my main tone instead of relying on amps and that's partially because like um that's just kind of my strategy was like um i can basically get my tone on almost any kind of amp you know what i mean really some amps definitely make it better because they're better amps and they're they're voiced in a certain ways you know 
Mm-hmm. But uh, but I kind of like went through that that kind of direction of like you know I want my 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 pedals are more of like defining my tone rather than I feel like a lot you know there's a lot of bands where they just want to run their guitar straight into the amp and you know use the amp's distortion. But um, I've always been kind of more into using the pedals for my distortion. You know. Yeah, it kind of adds more of like your touch to it too with your you know, your pedal lineup and everything kind of gives it more of your sound instead of just running straight through the head, which, you know, that, that can be copied a, a bunch and super easy to, you know, have somebody else's tone that way, you know? Yeah. That's kind of the thing that, that bothers me about, about that a little bit is that, you know, if every band is just like, okay, we're just going to buy 5150 or triple X or whatever, you know, like, I'm just going to buy this and then I get used to sourcing on the, on the amp. Then all of a sudden you have like, you know, a bunch of bands that all kind of sound the same. You know what I mean? Cause they all have the same, they're all using like the same distortion channels, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's going what... to be like differences between each amp slightly and each player. Right. So it's not going to sound exactly the same, but I feel like when you're just using the stock, you know, distortion on a, on an amp, I mean, basically just sounding like probably a bunch of other people you know yeah definitely and um i noticed a trend in a lot of the uh old school death metal bands like the new old school death metal sounding bands that's come out in the past five or so years they're all using hm2s like slammed in there sound like you know bringing that chainsaw and tomb sound and um i mean it's cool and everything but when you have like 20 bands doing the same has the same guitar tone it's hard to like tell what's what you know yeah exactly and and it's funny because I actually bought the the Waza HM2 reissue. Oh, nice! And um, ironic thing is that my least favorite sound on it is that that chainsaw sounds like yeah you can run that, but the pedal has like a lot more you can do with it. And in, in particular, I found that I really like because um, I know that back in the day, like My Dying Bride and probably like Paradise Lost and all those bands were using HM2s as well into Marshall. Mm-hmm or different PV or, you know, different kinds of amps. And um, literally, like, the HM2, you can get a perfect, like, doom tone that sounds like My Dying Bride or those kinds of bands, you know? Yeah, because with that pedal, it kind of, like, ventures off into, like, the doom world. You can get some weird, like, distorted fuzzy, fuzzy sounds out of it, you know, almost like a fuzz pedal. Yeah, exactly, which I found that's, like, the main use for that pedal for me because, you know, I'm not... I don't really, uh, I you know, personally, I don't feel like there's any need for any other band in the world to ever use the HM2 sound again, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm totally down with that. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, good. Like, like, I don't think any, I don't think we need that anymore. There's way too many bands using that, and I don't really, I like the tone for bands that use it well, but, uh, you know, unless. You know, I don't know. It's just not my favorite tone in the world. I like it when I hear Grave or those kinds of bands doing that kind of stuff. But uh, even with Grave, I don't feel like they were just maxing out, diming out the pedal, like how like this dismember and those kind of bands were. You know, right? Yeah, and I then, have a uh, a knockoff Behringer version of the HM2 I got for like thirty bucks. But dude, it sounds like an HM2 because I mean, what Behringer does, they copy the fucking the schematics and everything of the you know bigger pedal companies and they sell them for cheap and i'd be damned it sounds like hm2 it just has a really shitty like plastic body but i don't care i just use it at the house and i'm and like i'm not a big fan of that tone i've tried to implement it and stuff fucking around like i don't think this is for me yeah yeah i used hm2 for 
for more of the doom, my dang bride type of tone, you know, and because my, my, my main tone is that the metal zone was metal zone is my black metal tone. And the nice thing with the metal zone is that there's so many very, you, you know, it has like so much um, ability to shape the tone that probably no two people using the metal zone are going to get the same exact tone out of it because it's like, so you can do so much with it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, totally agree. I mean, you, there's a lot you can do with that, that, you know, especially you can't do with other pedals, you know? Yeah. I, I like it because it's got the bass and the high and the mid control and the mid has like both a kind of mid sweep and then also like the mid level, you know, mm -hmm. so it just gives you a lot of, opportunity to mess with stuff because you know like for me i feel like with black metal i like a little bit colder tone a little bit more harsh you know um high end not some not as many mids you know mm -hmm. where uh which i think the hm2 you can really dial that in where for a lot of other pedals you have kind of a set mid-range and you can't really do anything with it you know what i mean right but um you know, I feel like I feel like with Doom, you need more mid range. You know, like yeah, definitely. Where you know, I mean, black metal bands have definitely are bands that that use a lot of mid range and it sounds cool. But the type of tone that I particularly shoot for is a little bit colder. You know. Yeah, I, to I totally get that. And like for stuff I was doing or whatever, like I just wanted something super thick sounding. You know, I wanted you know some mid range, ton of bass. Like, I, I just like a lot of bass in my guitar tone. I've, I've been told, oh, why don't you become a bass player? I'm like, no, I don't want to be a bass player. I'm a guitar player. <laughs> you know, I just, I like fucking bassy tone. I mean, listen to Yob's tone. I mean, Mike's tone is fucking bassy as fuck, you know? Yeah. Like, you want it to feel like rumbling in the guts, which, which, you yes. Know. You know, I want to hit the brown note. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they call it the brown note. Like, <laughs> you shit yourself or whatever, you know? That's, that's the thing, I think. <laughs> yeah. I definitely think it could be possible. And, uh, yeah. What was kind of the uh, the inspiration for how you kind of shaped your tone? You know, like 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 what was some of the some of the things you heard that really like inspired you to like want to get the type of tone you get? You know, hmm. Well, like early early on and stuff. I'm I'm still a big Deftones fan, but um, I liked uh, Carpenter's tone a bunch. His setup and everything was really cool. I don't. I think he played an Ibanez, I believe, like a ten string Ibanez. I think, and I don't. I tried playing Ibanez before. It just don't feel right. None, every other guitar doesn't feel right except for bc riches and i don't know why this structure of my hands or whatever i don't know but um back then too i was listening to like uh some like early slipknot stuff but that really didn't scope my tone because i didn't go in that direction but i, I did appreciate like the tone that mick thompson had you know back then when you know, i think that first album or whatever one of those two and then um yeah just uh like Yob, I really love Yob's tone. Like, as I matured more with my tone and playing and all that stuff, like, you know, bands like Yob, Neurosis is a big one for me. Like, um, they just have such a thick fucking, uh, it's a, it's a thick, like, physical presence of a tone. There's like, it's in a, it's like something you can reach out and feel, you know, so thick. Like, bands like that really got me. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I like, I definitely feel that I definitely I feel like I have two types of distortion tones that I really am attracted to. And one is like the really thick, heavy doom tone, you know, because I'm a big fan of doom as well. Mm -hmm. Then I have the side of myself that likes the, I guess, more high end 
type of tone like a black metal but i i do like kind of finding that middle ground where you can have a tone that's harsher on the higher end but still like pretty thick you know that's kind of what i what i'm going for now you know yeah i think that's a perfect combination yeah kind of like go on there like right in between you know where it's like i still want it to be thick but i want that harsher high end you know Mm -hmm. oh that's totally that's the way to go definitely i definitely like yeah i like more distortion rather than less i know there's some guys who are really into like more tight like less gain type of tones and i'm that's definitely not me (laughs) yeah i don't like the whole like tight like intricate uh guitar tones like oh you got your noise gate and all that stuff except super high i never use a noise gate i try to use a noise gate it's not for me i like i, I want my guitar and my amp you know like to breathe you know i don't hear all like the natural harmonics of it and shit so and i like to play around with the uh, feedback and stuff so noise gates and stuff i've never been a fan of i don't like that tight guitar sound me neither yeah, yeah i've never used a noise gate never plan on it if uh if I turn on my guitar and it's making high pitch like noise, that's fine for me. You know, in fact, that's part of like what I like um, is like uh, I always had this thing of like particularly playing any kind of metal, really. But I just like, you know, idea of like if I'm going to play black metal live. I want to just hit my distortion and high pitch squealing noises coming out of the guitar. Yeah. And then you just go into it. And it's just like very unpleasant for people. Oh like, yeah, dude. I'm, we're all about that. Like, I think we did a whole like one two minute intro, nothing but fucking uh, feedback and you know some weird drum beats going on. It's like sitting there until they like, built up and built up, where you can just like feel it in your guts. Like the feedback would get really like bottomy and stuff, and people be like freaking out in the crowd. You can tell by looking at their eyes, like, oh man, this is intense. And then finally come in with the riffs, you know, towards the end. So I love doing that kind of shit. Yeah, I love that. It's like uh, I know that. I know that I hate God used to do like a part of their set that was just feedback. Yeah, they still have a shit ton of feedback. I saw them recently as well. And yeah, <laughs> feedback plays big in their tone. You know, that's like part of their like whole thing. They're, oh, they're like the kings of that. Yeah, it's like the whole idea of just like constant feedback in between every song. Like, you know, like that I heard like a lot of their sets are like, where it's just like, even when they're not playing, there's just like feedback and high pitched noises coming off stage and stuff, you know, which I think is awesome. You know the uh, band. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they're still together. They're kind of they break up and get together multiple times. But the band Indian, have you heard of them? Oh yeah, yeah. They were like kings of that nasty feedback, where it's just like grotesque. You know, like the way they can use it, manipulate it, and stuff. Yeah, I love that. Like when it's just like super fucking noisy and horrible. You know, like the um. Uh, Indian are fucked up too. Like, I mean, their music's like so, like, <laughs> so, like, oh, yeah. uh, intense and crazy. Dude, they're one of my favorite bands. And yeah, they're, they're fucking aggressive and nasty as fuck. I mean, them and Lord Mantis, because they share memories with each other and stuff. And they both have a very similar sound. You know, Lord Mantis could be a little bit like faster than uh, Indian and all, but still, they share that nasty fucking, this crazy ass heavy sound. Yeah, it's like very, very like um, I don't know, just evil. Like, like yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, I really like Indian. And, uh, there are a few bands too, like where the vocalist primarily just does high pitched screaming that I think sounds really sick and evil. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, I love the vocals in Indian, and also Lord Madness because again, they share 
vocalists and it's hard to tell who is who <laughs> sometimes like if they switch up or whatever like this guy if he goes to indian he's doing vocals with them or whatever it's very hard to you know tell but uh both their vocals that high pitch like they're using it as like another instrument like you should with your vocals you know it almost like sounds like another guitar in there it's so fucking evil yeah yeah cause i can be hit or miss with like bands and just the kind of high pitch screeching type of vocal mm -hmm. but some bands pull it off really good you know yeah those are definitely two that do it right yeah because i'm generally i generally kind of gravitate more towards like the lower like neurosis or you know or like mike's vocals and tombs you know stuff like that like generally tend to where what i like the best but there's some bands that really pull off that high pitch just blood curdling sick sound you know yeah i think um dragged in the sunlight does that pretty good too even though he does do a bunch of low end stuff but he does do a lot of high end stuff too if you like dragged in the sunlight yeah they're a pretty good one yeah they're fucking evil <laughs> they're so evil like they did uh, a split with uh uh was it a uh, um, something tongues uh having... not not their tongues yeah that's what yeah yeah evil. oh yeah. my god yeah it's called like nv or something and i was like man that inspired our uh I think it was our second to last record we ever recorded. That was like a big inspiration for the way I wanted the overall sound to be like. I'm like, let's make it kind of sound like this, like this absolutely disgusting, dark, and evil. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Gnaw Their Tongues. Like their music literally is like a horror movie set to music, you know? <laughs> yeah, they were, they were intense. Yeah, I, particularly their, their stuff. Uh, I haven't been a, as big a fan of their last couple releases because it's gotten more into just like straight up just harsh noise you know like mm -hmm. where it's like more electronic like digital noise i like some of their older stuff where it has like this kind of weird like orchestral elements to it or like they get into doom metal parts you know like or black metal parts even yeah like the abyss of longing throats is a really good album um yeah like but their newer stuff's still pretty good i just i i love music like that that's just like so horrific and just like evil you know yeah, I'm all about evil music. <laughs> That's like the biggest thing with anything I do. I'm like, how do you make it sound more evil? You know, I want it to sound dark as fuck. And yeah. Yeah, except it's like kind of overwhelming that way and it shapes noise into into almost like, um, like you're shaping this noise into this way where, where it really flows and sound, you know, like, and just like builds. And then you just feel like this kind of, yeah, overwhelming, like, fucking yeah hor horrific music you know i think it's it's awesome yeah it's like taking like your amps and your tone and like i don't know creating like a fucking evil entity out of it you know like just taking over the crowd which is like you know <laughs> like a foreboding like fucking entity of like you know noise and shit you know tone exactly yeah yeah i'm really i like i like that kind of stuff like the um i think that uh that like particularly like if i'm gonna see a band live i really like bands that are super intense and really like put it all out there you know yeah told dude um speaking of that like i recently saw one of my favorite bands uh primitive man live and talking about tone and everything else they're like the epitome of fucking heavy ass tone like there it's like an it's an experience like the whole room just like changes when they first chord they hit like everything just goes dark it's like holy shit it's so goddamn heavy and visceral 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I and I also love I love bands that that are like that. Like, like when I go see a show, I want to see something that really is is like like that kind of level of just crushing and amazing. You know, like I don't. I don't really. I want to. I want to feel something. You know. I mean. I want to be captivated by what's happening, by the music, by the experience of being there. You know. Yeah. Totally. And so, yeah, that's part of like why. Well, I was talking earlier about those kind of bands that go total like axe effects, like and have no sound on stage, and everything's like so clean. Just doesn't really doesn't do it for me. You know. No, I want to be able to feel it. Yeah. And the um. The um. Uh, but yeah maybe that's just part of it like we're kind of you know if you're into stuff like doom or even like a lot of forms of black metal death metal like probably gonna be more geared towards that kind of experience you know what i mean yeah definitely you want to you're gonna be there to kind of feel the tone and the volume and everything like that particularly with doom i mean that to me that's like a huge part of doom you know what i mean it really is like uh yeah and big amps and a a bunch of them (laughs) i think uh my final like form of what I would take with us to play live and stuff would be um, I was playing with two two twelve PV triple X um, combos. You know the original ones. Not they came up with, like the XL or some shit, and they did a second edition of the PV triple Xs. I have the first editions. I think they sound better, and they're built like tanks. So I had two of those, and I also have a. Uh, I was so running. So they were that? they were like a combo, not a head, but you had an extra speaker. Or... Yeah, they're combos. They're two twelve combos, both of them. Okay, cool. So I, I would run those on top of two uh, Fender Metalhead cabs, which are, uh, if I am not mistaken, they're five hundred watt cabs, which is pretty rare. Run. I used to run them at uh, four ohms, and that's kind of a rarity too for like you know running guitar at four ohms. That's pretty low. I usually run them like sixteen, eight or sixteen. Yeah. So run them at that lower ohm rating and stuff. I think I added more like oomph and body to them. You know. Right, like you got I more, could, of the, more of the low end, and on top of all that, because uh, being that those cabs were rated for four ohms, to be able to run every one of the damn speakers, like on the, both the the four two twelves that were on my combos plus the two cabs, I had to run like um a power amp in between that to be able to power everything correctly. So then I had a uh, I think it was a Crown thousand uh, watts uh, solid state this power head. <laughs> that would like that would run uh i can't remember which speakers that would run but it run a certain amount of speakers on there so like when i would when everything was going at all at once and all it was it was crushing man i never got to turn up over five unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i had some wattage up there doing like it was a it was it was a crushing setup and i still that setup right now i'm never get rid of it getting rid of none of my amps or anything like that i still have that up here in my podcast room so you know, if the neighbor ever wants to really get shitty, I mean, she's pretty shitty anyways, but if she wants to go extreme, I got her, you know? Right. Like, I'll, <laughs> I, tur- I'll I turn that on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty, were they, were the combos, were they 100 watt? No, 120 watt a piece. 120 watt. That's, that's pretty, pretty beefy combo, tube combo. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it ran, and I'm like I'm saying, I could have played these places with just a 212 because uh, there was instances that this happened. Uh, we we're playing in Philadelphia at uh, Kung Fu Necktie and they have two stages. We thought we were playing downstairs. Nope, no, nope, we're playing upstairs. So I've already towed half my gear across fucking diapers and syringes in Philadelphia to get, you know, because we had to park like two blocks away, unfortunately. So I'm like telling my shit up there and I get there. 
I can't even get my fucking full stacks up the goddamn stairs because they're too narrow. <laughs> so oh, I had to damn. say fuck it and bring just a 212 cab up there because I could not physically get my other shit up there. So I played that whole show to 212 and I was plenty loud enough, but it, you know, I still prefer playing with everything because it's just that presence that you get. Right. Yeah. It's, it's moving the air. Like, what do you run? Uh, do you run everything like, um, kind of like so like you run into your pedal board and then from your pedal board out ab out to both the amps yeah i will use a, a big bang abbey i think it's called a big bang or big shot i'm sorry big shot abbey pedal and i'd run that that would be running from my board into my abbey pedal into the amps and yeah right so you're running like everything through the through the pedals and yeah just using the the, the amps to power yeah for the sound yeah yeah, it, dude, it was a hell of a setup, though, man. God damn it. I had uh, schematics or whatever. Like, things were labeled, especially, you know, when it's dark, you're on stage trying to get everything hooked up. I had, like, 50 fucking different um, fucking guitar cables I had to put in here and here, a different cable for this or that. So everything was, like, labeled because there's so much shit. Like, right. you get one thing wrong, everything's fucked up. Yeah, so nothing worked. Get... Yeah, dude, it was, it was a pain in the ass, but it was worth it, but. Yeah, it was a beast to get everything like hooked up. I got I got it down to a science where it only took like five or ten minutes, but still like something. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wonder how long it yeah, I mean I suppose once you get it down, you got everything kind of pre set up somewhat, probably was a lot faster, right? Yeah, like once I ever got I got everything labeled and stuff and I had things in certain areas like uh, certain cables in my boat bags, certain cables in the back of the amps where things were supposed to go at, like I could get it all like set up in like five or ten minutes. I was we were always we were always really fast at setting up and taking down like really fast. Yeah, like last time I was in a band playing live a lot, I like I had everything like I ultimately ended up like um, having everything like in like a tub, but I had se everything separated. So you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So you could just like pull out the tub, like okay, these are the chords we need for this. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it. We had tubs as well. <laughs> like, like there's so many chords going on that stage because my rig, uh, our guitar player and bassist rig, she she would play both. So there would be certain songs she would grab another guitar. So we have two guitars going, me and hers, and then you know other songs should be running bass. So she had a guitar cab, I mean a guitar setup on stage and a big ass bass setup on stage. Like, <laughs> dude, I, I have to send you a picture like where. It takes up the whole goddamn band practice room with just amps and we use every goddamn one of them right that's awesome yeah. did you do you tune down as well like uh yes um i think uh we tuned most of our songs are tuned down not it wasn't tuned too far down i think it was dad fat is what we we're tuning to for most of our stuff and that was like i think we got that tuning from opeth i think they used on a certain album and we liked it because you still get heavy with it but have really good it sounded really cool and this regular like drop D in the beginning, you right. know, See, nothing super crazy. Like the heaviness kind of came from the amps and the uh, way I had shit, you know, running through the pedals and all to give it a real nastiness. So you're tuning, so you're tuning to was it D standard or was it like a drop? Tuning? It was drop. It was drop D, and uh, with the other tuning, it was uh, I think it was a standard tuning, which was Dad Fad D A F A D, I believe missing okay. one there but yeah so that was a tuning we used for i think the last two albums and stuff and um we that was a cool tuning and yeah never, we also never used that doing, tuning what's that i've never used that tuning in particular i, I usually do c standard so i tune um yeah c is also good i played around with c but never with the band um 
yeah, right dude. now I'm tuning to fucking uh, the same tuning that Primitive Man uses. This on my own shit. I'm fucking around with. I think it's uh, I think I'm playing in G. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So every chord I hit, and this sounds like a I don't know, like a demon vomiting or something. You know, it's just so like guttural and disgusting. But uh, luckily, my uh, BC Rich can handle that tuning because it has a special bridge just for stuff like that. You know. Right. I don't have to like do any kind of weird rerouting within stuff. It can handle all that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At that point, it's just about making sure you have uh, heavy enough strings that, that it doesn't get like too wobbly. You know what I mean? Like when you get down yeah. to G. Yeah. I've been like, playing with 13 Diodarios forever. Like that's my string of choice. I like Diodarios, uh, XXLs, and um, I played 13s. I've played those for a long time. Yeah, those those are that those are good. I usually do uh, twelve to fifty two or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't whatever. Yeah, that or or sometimes I've done the 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 slinky one where it's tens, but I kind of prefer a little bit heavier on the lower end on the the lighter strings. But you know what I mean, like the um uh yeah, I usually tune to, to C standard or um drop. B flat, so be you're in C standard and you drop the the six string, you know. Mm-hmm. That's in school. Yeah, I like I like that that tuning a lot in particular. The drop B flat, like it just sounds so so heavy. It's pretty heavy sounding for you know what I mean. Oh yeah, definitely, dude. I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of drop tuning or lower tunings. I I played an E before, like I just don't like playing an E. Like it's it's not it's not for me. I'm sorry. I want to go heavier than that. I know you can get heavy tones out of standard E tuning, but uh, I'm good. I don't like I don't like that. T- I like either D standard or C standard. I've, those are pretty much where I stay. Every once in a while, I've experimented with, with tuning in B B standard as well, which mm-hmm. I know like a lot of guys use B standard. Um. But there's something about, I think the the fact that when you play a normal chord in D or C standard, it's you know, it's just it has a little bit of a darker quality to it for for whatever reason, you know. And I just find it a lot more. I I can't stand the sound of E standard <laughs> when I play. No, it's, you know? t- it's too bright and tinny. You know, it's like no matter what you play, it has a, a bright tight sound to it, which yeah, don't like. Yeah, I like it, I, and I like it to have a little bit of the looseness. Like, I don't like to put too heavy of strings because I like to have a little bit of looseness into the strings. You know what I mean? Like tune to C. So it's like, like a thirteen is good, or twelve or thirteen gauge is good for that because it's like, like some guys play like stuff that's like so heavy, you know. But they're tuning down to like A, so they got like heaviest ass fucking strings, or yeah, like G. But you can tune them to G like you're doing. Or a even with thirteens, and it's not going to be that bad, you know. No, it's not bad at all. But like I said, I have a uh, special bridge on this BC Rich where I can get down that low, and it still keeps it in tune, you know. So uh, I've seen people do these with Gibsons before, like SGs, and I don't know how the fuck you do that because SGs got a pretty uh, short scale. I think they're like a twenty-five and a half scale or whatever, and like usually the short, shorter scale of guitars, you can't really tune super, super low with, you know. Yeah, I guess it depends on the SG. Like my, I have an Epiphone the um, G four hundred, and it has a pretty long has like a has a pretty long scale. Actually, it's longer than even like the LTD I just got. So, which so surprisingly it 
I think he handles it pretty good. Just doesn't like heavy strings very much. Like like my particular SG I have, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if I put too heavy strings on it, it'll like it doesn't sit well. Like I'd have to do like work to like on the nut, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, most SGs are a little bit shorter. Like it's kind of funny because this this particular SG model for Amphiphone is like very has a much longer longer neck, you know. Yeah, it is kind of unusual because, like I said, like most SGs I've ever seen, you know, a little bit shorter scale and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that recently. I was like, yeah, and I was looking at, it, I was like, it seems to have a longer, skinnier neck than, than most SGs that I see. Like, like most uh, Gibson SGs, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm big. I like SG is like my my guitar choice and growing up because of uh, uh really mostly because of Tony Omi. But, oh, but right. then but then a little bit of you know Angus Young, you know, A C D C was there in my head too. Um uh, but really it was Tony Aomi was like the inspiration for me getting into SGs, you know. No, that's cool. I mean they're they're great guitars and stuff. And um I actually wanted to get one when I was a bit younger and stuff too. I was I like the way they look and stuff, but um my equivalent to the SG is my BC Rich Mockingbird. It has a similar feel to an SG, I guess. It's you know, it feels it's super comfy to play, you know. It's like this it's like a luxury car of guitars i guess you know like right yeah yeah and i just got the the ltd um old uh eclipse so it's like the les paul style which isn't my favorite body style but i do like les paul's but this one i like in particular because it's got the sharper you know the horn the one horn on the on the les paul the the ltd one's like a little bit sharper looking which i think is cool right and uh rather than like the real more rounded style of most 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 les pauls you know that's what attracted me to a uh, bc rich too was the uh like the horns you know the horns on the headstock and just like the jagginess and i don't know it looked extreme and looked demonic <laughs> yeah yeah like i want to get some bc rich stuff but it's kind of unfortunately gotten like more expensive as time oh, dude. yeah they fucking went up i got a Shit, I got both. I got three BC riches, um, but the last two I bought, I, I had more than that. I got rid of one or two of them. But anyways, the last two I bought um, off of eBay, three hundred bucks for a fucking thousand dollar guitar. It was uh, one of their pro models, the Pro uh, Mockingbird with the active pickups and stuff, and they retail for like a thousand back then. This older guitar got that for three hundred, and then I got my uh, my main guitar I play now, recording this stuff, the BC Rich. Uh, warlock uh deluxe which is really nice i think it's a platinum i believe i got that for like 300 bucks as well because it had a defect it had like a b on the headstock so that's perfect like oh b okay cool that was the only defect it had i took it to my guitar guys i was perfect guitar i'm like cool we got for 300 bucks but now people have caught on it with bc rich you know like stranger things and everything and the price of used bc riches have skyrocketed to like double what they were yeah, this is so recent too. No, yeah, it's basically because of Stranger Things, I think. Because like I was literally looking at Warlocks like I don't know, what a year ago maybe, not even, like less than a year cuz cuz that's what I wanted to get was a Warlock and I was looking I could you could get a, a platinum like you're talking about like the ones you got platinum or even an NJ or you know, like I don't want to I don't I just wanted a fixed bridge. So I was looking at the the, the 
higher quality fixed bridge ones. And you're usually going for at most maybe 400. And then when I was going to go, when I had the money, I was going to, and I started looking, I was like, God damn, like they went up to like 600, you know, 700 for like the same guitar now. And it's like, I guess I'm gonna have to wait for, for the, uh, for the BC rich mania to die down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Go look at them now, man. Like this regular, BC Rich Warlock. I'm not even a platinum. I don't think. I don't. I'm not a say. Not not a bronze either. It might be platinums, but I've seen them go for like twelve hundred bucks and beyond. Like the one they used in um, Stranger Things is just a uh, you know a standard BC Rich Warlock. They didn't even have like the uh, the cool widow's headstock or nothing. They had like the normal headstock, which I don't prefer. No, I like almost, like almost is like one. a bronze. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah, I like a bronze. It had in Stranger Things, but it's not a bronze. But it looks like it, and um, shit, those guitars like twenty, uh, two thousand six hundred bucks, uh, twenty one hundred bucks is like what the fuck for a warlock? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah, like I want the, I yeah, I want like the wicked headstock, like you know, like I, I'm not a big fan of the bronze headstock, which just looks like every other headstock, you know. Yeah, I love the widow stock on those, like the horns and stuff. That's yeah, that's all my guitars have the widow stock on there. I just, I like an extreme looking guitar, you know. And they yeah. play extreme as well. Like they're a perfect like guitar for extreme music, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's always been like ever since I was a kid, I wanted to get a warlock, and it's kind of one of those things that I wanted I want to to get. It's just unfortunately the timing seemed a little off because I was like trying to find one. And I was like, God damn it, they've all gone up so much. <laughs> yeah, but my hoping, my first I'm, one was a um I had a the bronze my first warlock. Sorry to interrupt you there. I didn't. <laughs> oh no, you're okay. I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. I, was, I hope that the prices go down. But yeah, the those bronze warlocks though aren't like the best though. Unfortunately, no, they're the first stages. They're, they're like the 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 baby BC rich. Like you know, the your practice BC rich pretty much. I mean, you can like fucking you know put different pickups and all in there, but I don't know I'm, the way they feel and all that stuff too. It's not that great, but I played many uh, shows with the bronze when I first started out. So <laughs> they sounded good live, but yeah, I think it's, it's the way they, they feel doesn't feel as good as the full, uh, the regular PC rich, you know what I mean? No, they're not very well balanced. The bronzes are a bit like a uh, bottom heavy. So like, it's a constant battle of keeping that shit right when you're on stage, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's definitely bottom heavy. And I noticed with like the platinum and the, uh, my, my main guitar for many years and still have my BC rich, uh, bitch. Uh, that one was like super light, super balanced, almost like a semi hollow, but I don't believe it was a semi hollow, but, uh, that one felt perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I was, uh, when I bought the LTD, I just got like, I was at the store and they had a mockingbird, like bronze one, mm-hmm. you know, it was like 180 bucks or something. So I poked it, pulled it down. And I was like, this feels horrible. Like it just didn't feel good to play it, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're the they're guitars to kind of like get you started with BC Rich, and you know you definitely want to upgrade. I think I've seen people play bronzes, like you know bigger bands have like a bronze on stage with them, but you know different pickups and stuff. But I don't know, I just don't like like the way they look because they have the normal headstock and shit, and I don't know, I prefer the other kind. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I just wish that I had bought one when I was a kid, but I got the SG instead. But Back then, they were like a lot easier to get hold of, even a pretty good warlock because they're still making them. But me, you know, I think I think uh, it'll it'll shift, and I'll, I'll probably I'm gonna keep my I'm keeping my eyes open to see if I can pick one up like at some point when I have a little more money. But like I'm not gonna spend a thousand dollars on a, a 
a warlock that may have been about that. Like they might have been about that much originally, but I mean, you could. Uh, I remember like the NJ or like the kind of platinum ones were only like five hundred, eight hundred dollars originally. You know what I mean? Yeah, they weren't that much at all. But yeah, like I distinctly remember the NJ series being like five seventy or something like that. You know, <laughs> mm. I'm gonna pay like two thousand for one. <laughs> no, that would be horrible and ridiculous. <laughs> no way, man! If I could, I could just go and fucking buy like some really nice custom made guitar for that much you know what i mean yeah you could go buy like a fucking dunnable for that or you know or monsoon yeah or just like have somebody make their own version of a warlock like custom made probably you know like i'm yeah i just like i'm not gonna spend two thousand dollars on a 20 year old warlock you know yeah definitely not (laughs) unless it was like the u.s made like top of the line warlock you know yeah, yeah. Custom, <laughs> like one of the customs that they did, like yeah, like the Mauser ones or whatever. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm not. I, one thing is that I'm not. Do you use a? Do you use fixed bridge or do you use a? Do you have a whammy on yours? No, I do not like whammies. I don't. I, I hate them. I have one guitar with a whammy on there. I'm like, nope. I don't like the way it feels when I go to palm mute. So I don't use none of that bullshit. So yeah, me neither. I'm not. I've always been kind of like this part of me that's like wouldn't mind having one guitar that has it just so I can throw some like fucking dive bombs on some songs, but I would never play that as like my main guitar because I don't I don't like the way those feel very much. You know what I mean? Yeah, I bought a uh, BC Rich uh, Platinum Zombie, and I was like, oh, this guitar looks so cool. Like I got it from Guitar Center, and it got to me and stuff. And uh, man, I went to, and that was like an eight hundred dollar guitar back then. This was back in the day, and um. It had a whammy bar and stuff, and that that fucking bridge was horrible. I'm like, this feels so bad. I instantly returned that shit like, and got something else. Like that's when I got my bitch actually, because uh, yeah, I could not stand the way you know the whammy and all that felt. This felt funny to me. Yeah, and I also feel like I play guitar a little too hard for for the whammy. Like I feel like I don't know. I just feel like be afraid of ripping this thing out of the guitar or something i don't i just don't like really like the way it feels like the way the strings lay you know what i mean yeah i'm also very heavy-handed like i'm a caveman on guitar <laughs> I, did, I beat the shit out of it um yeah it wouldn't last long with me yeah i'm just too pr- too much of a uh i just like my, my shit to be simple you know like if i could get like i kind of want to get a guitar at some point that's basically just got like one pickup and a volume knob on it you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for the longest, I always used the um, the bridge pickup and stuff. Like, I, I only recently when I started doing um, well, re- the more recent years when when the band was around, I started actually playing on different pickups. But most of the time, I just use the bridge. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of bands that just use. I mean, that's kind of a growing thing with like metal guitars. And nowadays, there's a lot of guys are just doing like one bridge pickup one volume or even if they do have both pickups they only have one volume knob you know getting rid of the tone knob for a lot of metal guys you know yeah because i mean i've pretty much never used the tone knob on my guitar um i i started experimenting with it more like as i've gotten older as a guitar player but for the most part i have most of the tone off <laughs> you know i want it as dark as possible you know right yeah like that Tone knob can be useful for some things, like, but yeah, I don't really use it too much. But I definitely like, um, I never really used like, like on a lot of my guitars, they got 
Well, on like my SG, for example, it's got separate volume and tone knobs for each pickup. And uh, hmm. I've never really experiment. You know, I never really found a, a true use for running, even running both pickups at the same time necessarily. You know, like you try to right. like experiment with it, but it's like it doesn't really sound as good as just using one or the other, in my opinion. You know. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Like, but that's just me. But I know there's some guitarists who are the opposite, where they only use their bass bass uh, pickup, like uh, Josh Hom from Queens of Stone Age. Oh, that's right. Yep. He only uses bass pickup on his guitars, like pretty much. I mean, I think maybe now maybe he uses bridge pickups and guitars more often. But I remember reading interviews with him back in it was around when Songs from the Deaf came out, and he's like, "Yeah, he's like, I I don't use my bridge. I just use my my neck pickup only." You know. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I use my neck pickup now when I'm experimenting with stuff, but you know, that's only I've never used a neck pickup only on stage, so. <laughs> I find that uh, I like the neck pickup um, uh, when I'm playing post punk stuff. Yeah, that's I a, could that's, see that. Because that's the thing. I have like I have like the metal guitar tones they do, but then like I have the whole other like post punk type of stuff that I do as well. And with that, I'll I will use the neck pickup sometimes because it gets a real nice clean clean tone. You know what I mean? Right depending on the on the guitar like in my sg i use the for post-punk stuff i usually use the neck pickup more than i do the bridge pickup but so it's kind of funny like with different different genres there's different things you need you know yeah no definitely let's see so i think i need to close out you're saying right yeah i i don't know what time it is now but <laughs> so i'm sure how long how long what your time limit is but yeah, I guess we can talk for a little bit longer and close it out after. So, okay, cool. But yeah, so that's the thing. Like, that's that does make it a little difficult for me sometimes when it comes to to amplifiers, like deciding which kind of buys. I kind of like I have like two separate types of tones that that I try that get out of stuff. You know what I mean? Cause, right. Because uh, I make you know if I make post punk stuff, like I kind of like the Fender tone the best like a really big fan of fender for that kind of that kind of music you know mm-hmm. like um but then for metal it's a whole different ball game right you know so it's like finding an amplifier that can do both can be kind of difficult yeah i yeah i think for like if you're doing like uh post-punk and stuff um i think if uh, maybe a like a good Fender amp would be a, a good amp, you know, like a Music Man. Is it? I think the Music Man's are guitar, the really high-end guitar amps, right? I'm it's been a sure. while since I looked into Fender. I don't really pay too much attention to them. This only the stuff that's expensive. Like if it's in one of my like uh, amp groups that I'm in on Facebook, and people like post about them. Like right, yeah. I mean, for Fender, for clean, like the Princeton sounds good. You know, really good. There's a deluxe, delu- like the deluxe reverb. It's an amazing sounding one. Yeah, it's um, a good one. The, the thing that can do both, though, is the Fender Bassman. So the Fender Bassman is a pe- uh, amplifier that is very famous for for taking pedals really well. And mm-hmm. in fact, like um, stuff like the original Mesa Boogies and stuff are based off of uh, um, the Bassman cur- uh, circuit and stuff like that. So, so the roots for modern metal amplifiers actually from like basement uh, circuits you know sounds right and also i'm um, talking about maces man uh 
the triple rectifier is a beast of an amp. <laughs> I've recorded uh, two albums with one of those in the studio. Uh, Holy shit, fucking nasty, man. Great amps. Yeah, again, the um, I always was like, a, I feel like Mesa's are great amps, but I was always a little uh, um, soured on them because of all the crappy new, like back in the late 90s, all the crappy new metal ban- bands were all just like, gotta use the triple rex you know what i mean or all the like metalcore bands you know <laughs> oh yeah yeah so i kind of always associated those amplifiers of like you know guys with like um with like little soul patches and and backwards caps you know what i mean <laughs> well, I, had the, I had the soul patch back then like in the late 90s but i didn't or no i'm sorry early 2000s but i didn't have the backwards cap or maybe right. i did i could have but i <laughs> yeah i did listen to new metal a bit when i was younger but i think everybody did at a certain stage before yeah. you find you know really good stuff <laughs> yeah i mean i don't i actually i mean i don't i don't mind a lot of new metal but you know i mean that was just kind of the thing was like guys using oh yeah schlechter guitars and mesa boogies you know so i always kind of associate and then you know but that's like unkind because like the mesa mesas were used also by everybody else i mean like the big part of metallica tone was was a mesa boogie actually mm-hmm. i think it was the mark three or whatever um, right i forget or the yeah i forget which one but that's how they got their tone on a lot of their stuff, you know. The band uh, Today is the Day, um, Steve Austin, he's a big Mesa guy. And uh, yeah, his his fucking, I can't remember which Mesa he has there, but um, it's a beast. I've got to see them live. And yeah, it's, it's a nasty setup he has. Yeah, Mesa's a good amp, but they're also, much like Orange, very expensive. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. I think a, a triple rectifier like costs you right now about 3500 bucks. <laughs> I don't think they make them anymore. I'm not sure if they make them. I don't really follow like Mesa and all that stuff, but um, yeah, I know they're up there, but fucking nasty amps. I mean, so much distortion and just uh, a lot of, but you got to be able to dial those in too. Like, they're not like super easy plug and play you know what i mean there's a lot of dialing in you need to do with those amps to get them to sound like you know perfect yeah i like the one that has like the uh the isometric eq or whatever mm-hmm. like where they're i don't know if all the mesas are like that but they have like the the full band eq like type of thing where you can like really dial it in with like the that you know what i mean yeah right yeah whatever yeah, it's, it's yeah. so much dialing in to do though i'm like oh, that's too much for me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean you can kind of understand why like some band like because i know like metallica used those because they had that eq thing with and they could actually like because you know they went for that real scoop tone so they would use the mesa to really get that tone you know what i mean mm-hmm. um yeah or like you know like Dimebag would use like a uh eq pedal you know to do the same thing yep and his tone was disgusting even though if our people as well his tone's really thin i'm like yeah it is stacked up a bunch you know in recording and stuff but i still think he has a great had a great tone you know yeah you know like it's definitely a space for the the scoop tone you know what i mean like for sure if you do yeah. it right you know like we have to do it right you know like metallica you know, Pantera bands like that, I think, do it right. But then you'll hear other metal bands that try to do the scoop tone, and it sounds kind of horrible. Yeah, <laughs> plenty of those for real. Strictly, um, I feel like the scoop tone does not work for death metal. But there's a lot of bands who try to use that for death metal, and it sounds real funky. Yeah, it doesn't really blend in well, or so. I don't know. Yeah, it does. It just sounds off. 
if they just do scoop, but they don't do the thing with bands like Pantera and Metallica is that they add these tactics for getting like tone n- n- neck note definition, you know, right? Where with what you kind of really need with death metal, so there's some bands where I've heard where they do the scoop tone, but then you can't really tell what they're playing because it starts to get all like muffly, you know. Yeah, it becomes a wall of sound. <laughs> it's like I don't know what this is. <laughs> yeah, or sometimes if they mix it wrong and and you can't hear the drums and stuff because the guitars have like have like sucked up like all the drum drum like range. You know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, because that's something a lot of people don't think about is that each instrument has to sit in a mix and assert together, right? You know. Mm-hmm. So they should be kind of complementing each other in a way, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's how you get a a good mix for sure. You don't want something that's dominating the whole time. You can't hear drums or drowns out the bass, you know, like Metallica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just I take like, the bass out. <laughs> yeah, I just take the bass out. Like I, I like I like um, when I can hear all the instruments in the band. You know, where I like when the bass is is loud and distorted, and you know, right up there with the guitar. You know. Yeah, yeah, bass is a a, a big part of like heavy nasty tone like you gotta have a good a bass good bass tone and you know be able to hear the shit in the mix yeah so there's even some bands that do it real well where they go for a little bit thinner guitar tone in a way but once you combine it with the bass it sounds fucking massive you know Mm -hmm. like every band has kind of different ways of, of doing that right but i just like it when even if you're going through a real thick bassy guitar tone that you have your bass have like its own particular tone so they kind of work well together you know what i mean yeah that's definitely key you don't want to be fighting each other on stage with like you know different weird tones like it's got to come together as one right yeah so that can always be a hard thing sometimes even of two guitar players you know yeah we tried uh two guitar players before like having another member and stuff and uh it's worked out, but it's only for a guest appearance and stuff. So I don't think I could, I'd have never really played well with another guitar player because I like, you know, most of the riffs, I guess I, I want to be doing all the riffing and stuff, you know, just weird. I can't find room with another guitar player on stage. Yeah. Do you have that kind of feeling for me? Like I been playing guitar by myself pretty much my whole life. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. And so I kind of created like ways of filling in that space as one guitarist. So it's, I find that I have a hard time figuring out how to fit in with another guitar player sonically because of that reason, because I've already figured out how to fill that space by myself. You know what I mean? Yeah, that can definitely be jarring. Um, jamming with somebody else. If you're so used to like playing by yourself and filling up that whole gap, you know, then you feel like you're kind of boxed in a little bit. Yeah, it can be kind of kind of kind of a challenge to try to figure out how to how to work together. Sometimes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah, because because yeah, I've, I've always just kind of you know, like when I used to play with my band, the Silver Chord. I mean, we sometimes we didn't even have a bass player; we'd have a keyboardist, and I play guitar and a drum machine, and and we would fill the space like you know because I my guitar tone was like huge. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was like. I didn't really need a second guitarist, really. Basses would have been nice to fill that in a little bit better. We did have basses for a little bit, but it's like, even without a bass player, I just figured out how to fill that that space, even by myself, you know what I mean? 
Right. But so I think I think that can play a play a part too. Yeah, most definitely. We gotta like figure that figure that out. Like, I mean, the I guess some some people though. I mean, they're fucking masters where they like think of the different guitar riffs in their head and figure out how they fit together. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, my my good friend's like that. He's one hell of a guitar player. He's like totally different level than most guitar players I've ever seen. And yeah, they think on a different page. I'm more of a, let me say, a caveman guitar player, <laughs> and I'm a rhythm <laughs> guy. I don't do leads or nothing like that. I'm more like atmosphere and rhythm. Yeah, I've always been. You know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I you know I kind of wish I could play like John Novelt or somebody like that, but I I just can't. You know what I mean? It's just not my not my skill level you know <laughs> yeah same here yeah but yeah i mean it's just like there's those guys where you know um i've saw stuff with different guitar players where they like play the song and immediately like as they're playing the one riff they're hearing this other riff that goes with it and so they need like two guitar players because they both need to play these intricate riffs that go together you know what i mean <laughs> yeah uh, it's way too complicated for my palate <laughs> 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 yeah it's like it's cool to listen to but i i can't i can't play that yeah you yeah. know really <laughs> <laughs> although yeah it's a bit simpler like there's times where it's good to have i will sometimes with like certain types of things like um like do the kind of more doom stuff where i can think of two guitar players because one one is going to be rhythm the other one's going to play like the kind of like higher single note type of riff you know almost kind of like that kind of post post metal type of thing or whatever you know? right yeah like then I you can have like one. two guitar players you know because you got one guy who's playing like kind of like a melodic type of part over top of the other guitar that's kind of generally where i think of two guitars you know <laughs> yeah same here that's that's what i think when i hear two guitars in my head yeah it's much much more simplistic i guess <laughs> mm -hmm. the um I, have you ever have you ever seen the rig breakdown of Neurosis? Oh yeah, yeah, I've watched that multiple times, and I've I got to see them I think three different times. I'm always checking the whole rig situation out, but yeah, it's it's a lot. <laughs> that shit's crazy, and like I remember I was reading something with um um not um oh my god I'm like blanking on his name not not uh Steve Steve until mm -hmm. I was like his one his his rig is real kind of off the wall like the stuff he does with it you know what i mean i think he calls it the chain of death or something like that, or the death chain something like that he calls it but yeah it's it's definitely not normal i think he runs with a bass head and he uses a uh, a bass distortion too is a, what he was using i think both of them use a bass distortion pedal it's, it's just weird yeah just like some other weird stuff that he uses there's a lot of guitar players who like to use either bass heads or bass cabs at least. Mm -hmm. um, I can get because I've actually tried that out or use a bass cab instead of a, and uh, it's definitely a lot more forceful sound, you know? Yeah, it definitely is. Because it's a closed back cab. So it's all with a Rager cab, you're having some stuff kind of go to the back of the cab, right? Mm -hmm. where of the closed back bass cab it's all coming out of the speaker you know you're not losing any any tone out of the back you know yeah i've heard some really cool setups with that it's definitely more direct i guess 
rather i feel like with the open back you get a little bit more space in the tone where with like the closed back bass cab type of thing you it's a little bit more forceful you know what i mean yeah a bit more punchy yeah punchy that's the word <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah i know that um was this one guy i know who who is in a doom band here called void eater mm -hmm. when he, he he has like he uses like three amps live and all that kind of stuff but one of the amps that he uses is actually a bass amp and it's the the orange um bass terror dark terror whatever oh yeah mm -hmm. like a, yeah and he said and he said that sounds fucking awesome either on bass or guitar he says it's a great amplifier yeah i've heard good things about those that's that's cool yeah like you know back in the day there was only one amplifier you know and everybody plugged into it <laughs> yeah now we have so many options <laughs> yeah like i was i was watching a documentary about about laney and their earlier amplifiers had like you know plugins so you could plug a guitar and a bass into it you know <laughs> oh but yeah yeah i remember seeing those Yep. it was like real old school ones like the ones that uh that uh tony elmi played originally if you uh, really dig Laney's and stuff, um, Blackhawk amplifiers. I think just today or yesterday, he uh, he mods amps too. So he'd take older amps and mod them out and stuff, and make them sound like fucking fire breathing dragons. But uh, he just did a new, another Laney amp, a Blackhawk Laney, and it's up on the the Blackhawk uh, his his uh, website and stuff. And he's got a YouTube video of him playing it. Dude, it is fucking nasty. <laughs> Yeah, I saw his post about on on uh, on Instagram, but I didn't didn't check out the YouTube video. Yeah, he is the master of heavy when it comes to like amps and pedals. Like, there is no other person I would play pedals by is than Blackhawk. If I'm talking about like boutique pedals, you know, Blackhawk is number one. Amps, I was never ne never able to afford one of his amps at that time. I wanted to get one, but I just I couldn't do it at the time. But uh, yeah, that dude is a fucking he's a he's a magician when it comes to heavy yeah because i saw his, his mod amp is like 1400 or something like that yeah and it's worth every penny i'm, I'm sure you like <laughs> that dude's <laughs> built some nasty shit like you wouldn't yeah. even run have to run pedals or that one just straight in the head that thing would sound fucking like a goddamn atomic bomb <laughs> yeah i'd like to check out his pedals too i mean from what you told me about how awesome they are you know and they're cool because he's got like uh runes and you know they kind of got this kind of barbaric feeling to them yeah i love all that stuff and he's a big like uh, lord of the rings fan too so a lot of the stuff is from like lord of the rings you know it's all like token stuff so that's really cool he's uh yeah. based out of portland i believe okay cool yeah, yeah. i definitely need to order some of it, some of his shit and try it out yeah, you cannot go wrong with none of his fuzzes or his distortion pedals. Uh, he, I think he still makes the one called the uh, Balrog, and that's like just a nasty ass. Like, it'd be great for black metal. It's a straight up distortion, but it's got more to it. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be really good for black metal or like uh, heavy death metal. That's one I would like recommend for you is a Balrog if he still makes it, which I'm pretty sure he does. I think it's still up on his page. You have to check that out. Yeah, I've been meaning to get a fuzz as, as well. So maybe I'll try to get one of his fuzzes and, and you know, like some... he's got he's got one called the uh, Fell Beast fuzz pedal. It is disgustingly heavy. <laughs> like, yeah, I sound like an ad for Blackhawk, but I'm serious. Like, he's some of the best pedals I've ever played, and I played multiple ones from you know his stuff. Like, 
I 100% back him. And yeah, if you find a fell beast on his website, I think they go for like about 200 bucks. Dude, nasty, <laughs> nasty fuzz. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to pick it up, like pick one, pick some of his stuff up. And uh, I mean, that should be for anybody out there, you know, check it out. Yeah, he he did uh, make some stuff for Matt Pike. I think he did one of Matt's um, amps, and um, he also did stuff for like I think Wolves in the Throne Room. Bunch of bands he does stuff like kind of low key shit for. But um, yeah, he's 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 the man. Yeah, I'm definitely attracted to the way, to the look of his pedals. Like they have this kind of like real primitive, barbaric type of feeling to them with like the runes and just like the whole casing is kind of like, I don't know, I really like the the look of them, you know? Yeah, and they last forever. Like I've never had to send any back for like repairs or anything and I put them through like, you know, live settings, on the road, all that shit. Like they're fucking tanks. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, like That's why I, I don't, I pretty much I like the metal box you know, pedals. I don't like pedals that are made in plastic or some shit. You know what I mean? No, they're not good for touring or, you know, playing live with us for sure. No, yeah. You need to you need to have, have your shit in the metal box. It's not going to, like, crush on you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely need to check that out. The, the Balrog sounds cool and that Fell Beast one. They both yeah. sound fucking, fucking really cool. And yeah. it's a nice thing, too, with somebody, like, supporting someone like him is you're going to get something that is not very common, you know. So no, you're gonna have your own sound. That, that's something that's important to me is is trying to trying to just have your own sound as opposed to just like using. That's one thing I don't like about the modeling era. Is nowadays people just like oh think that oh like just like download the model for somebody's and then I can just sound like whoever. You know what I mean? I don't like that. Yeah, the whole copy paste thing. It's no good. Yeah, like why would you want to just like download some model and sound like? every other some every other band when you could do the work and try to get your own sound you know what i mean right no i'm totally down with doing your own thing yeah that's that'd be that's kind of my i guess you could say uh philosophy on on uh on tone you know yeah, summed, up, summed up in a nutshell <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah man it's been great talking to you brandon Hell yeah. And like I said, this is a, a great idea for a podcast and I can't wait to hear like Mike's rundown and all that stuff. Like it's going to be cool. Got to get Ralph on there too. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, Ralph has a lot of really cool uh, kind of viewpoint on it. He's probably, he's definitely on the same page of trying to get his own tone, you know, to the point that, you know, he's using like, you know, the Epiphone like Sheraton or, you know, the semi hollow body guitars for black metal, you know, like, yeah. I like that. All of that. He, he kind of has that approach where it's like, yeah, just do your own thing. And, uh, yeah, I, I want to get it. Yeah. I want to get all the horsemen who play guitar on, you know, and talk about, talk about gear and, and then go from there, you know, cause definitely interested to, I've talked to Mike some about some about guitar stuff, like, you know, a messenger or whatever, but it'd be cool to talk to him and, and then, uh, I'm trying to talk to Evan as well and, you know, everybody and, yeah, I think it's a cool. I just kind of idea that I had in my head, and I also just was like, I want to talk about it, talk about gear with my friends, you know, because like it's just yeah. something that something that I that I'm into that that I don't really get to talk about too much, you know. Yeah, no, this has been super fun, man. It's good, like nerding out on gear. So somebody that appreciates it. <laughs> yeah, oh, this will be one of those episodes. Just for like 
certain people who are into and probably for all the guitar players out there <laughs> oh yeah most definitely <laughs> not gonna be for not gonna be for the pretty you know average listener i guess but hopefully yeah. even if you don't play guitar you find it interesting <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah man well have a good night brandon all right man you have a good night too and like i said it's always great talking with you and uh yeah i'll talk with you soon sounds good man later man